listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 279. I'm your host, Annika Harrison, and joining me for the show is my co-host Pontus Böckmann. Hallo! Hey son, hey son! What happened to Andras? Yeah, he's a very feminine voice uh, all of a sudden, right? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't recognize that at all. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I changed my name and <laughs> and my voice. Uh, actually, Andras, but yeah. Okay. No, no, actually, Andras isn't here today. Believe it or not, he has a day job. Yes. Yeah. Like Finally, the, pod the podcast is not is not his only. Passion. It's only my mildly lucrative. We <laughs> struggle to make a living from that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. They have uh, started to do some uh, holiday trips again. And Andras is a guide, travel guide, of course. Long-term long listeners know this. And if I'm not mistaken, he's on Madeira. Yeah. Really cool, mm. actually. Like I, yeah. I got very jealous when I saw some pictures he posted. Yeah. Yes. Very beautiful there. <laughs> yes. I've heard. Or seen from pictures. Yeah. So it's a for a good reason that he isn't here. But uh, we'll definitely hope he'll be back soon. And we do miss him. <laughs> yeah. But and of course, no, I'm, uh, he will be back. Very good. Uh, we, we do have other friends in the world. Uh, apart from Andras, believe it or not. One such friend is listener Bob from Spain. Who is uh, one of our most frequent emailers. This week he sent us a link to an interactive COVID vaccination tracker. And that is something that the New York Times is maintaining. Uh, it's a good source, I think, if you want to keep track of the vaccination progress all over the world. And you can see what, vaccina what vaccines are used in which countries, etc. Things like that. And uh, We'll put a link to that in our show notes. I think it's worth a look. And of course, you should keep those emails coming, whether you're Bob or anybody else. We always enjoy getting emails. Yes. I, I had a look on this uh, at this uh, link, uh, Annika. Do you know what country in the world is in the lead of... Hmm, the US? US is not even among the top 15 or 12 or whatever I see on my screen at the moment. Hmm. I'm cheating because I'm looking at the link that Bob sent us. <laughs> so that, is, that is surprising because I, I would ex expect uh, the US yeah. to be up there as well. Is it yeah. Great Britain? Great Britain uh, or the U UK, uh, they are on place 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9... No, sorry, skipped it. 8. <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, 8. Okay. One more guess. Mm, I'm going from population size, maybe Luxembourg, something like that, like a smaller country. Good try, good attempt to to game the the quiz here, but uh, <laughs> no, the the top one is actually a United Arab Emirates. Oh, yeah, but not. that's good. Yeah. yeah, they have, and this is per uh, 100 uh, people, so they're trying to proportion it mm. uh, um, depending on if you have a, a large or small population. So they have, at, when we record this, they have 141 doses administered per 100 people, which means that on average, people have received more than one dose. I'm sure there's a few that haven't received any doses, but that's how it averages out. On uh, place two is Israel. That was the one that was not surprising to yes, me. Yes, yes, true. Yeah. 
Right. And uh, actually, 57% of the population is fully vaccinated in Israel. And of course, this is changing. But there are countries there that you wouldn't wouldn't expect. But you were right in going uh, for small countries. So Malta is there. Aruba is there. Do you know what Aruba is? <laughs> no, I'm very ignorant. <laughs> I, I was ashamed, but I had to, to Wikipedia that. It's a small island just north of Venezuela that ah. be, still belongs or sort of not belong to the Netherlands. They have... Uh, <laughs> Come on, <laughs> <They> Dutch are... <laughs> people! <laughs> no, they were they were about to get uh, their independence, but something uh, well, politic politics happened, and they are now putting that on hold. They have one hundred and twenty one thousand doses administered, and that uh, means that uh, just over half of them, half of the population, uh, is fully vaccinated. Yeah. Speaking of vaccinations, I will um, also have get mine next Monday. So Ooh, good. the listeners have to stay tuned if if I will be there next Tuesday. We'll see. Yeah, but this is your second one, right? Yeah, my second one. And, and supposed to, the second one with Moderna is supposed to be a bit um, harder on the immune system. So Could be, yes. But it's we'll individual. See. You yeah. never know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm optimistic, actually, because I usually am only like, oh, yeah, my arm is a bit sore and that's it. So... Uh, I don't know if you can predict those, but uh, yeah, probably these not. things. Okay, yeah. good. Anything else to mention before we get cracking here? I think I'm happy to crack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, crack on, Annika. So, this week in Skepticism, we have a very important person, and that is Blaise Pascal. And if I pronounced him not correctly then of course please dear french listeners you can also send it in of course we love to hear that yes so blaise pascal was born on the 19th of june 1623 and he died on the 19th of august 1662 so he didn't get very old no that's right he was a french mathematician physicist inventor philosopher writer and also a catholic um, theologian he was a so-called child prodigy, so his father was already teaching him a lot of stuff when he was a young boy. And I think he's what we might call the universal genius back then, mm -hmm. um, because he had so many fields of knowledge. Back in the day back where the we day, had where it things was possible. like that. Yes. Yes, when it was possible. <laughs> yeah. He was, for example, influenced by Descartes. And he himself influenced um, Leibniz or um, Alexis de Tocqueville or others. In mathematics, he developed the probability theory, which is still used in economics. And he contributed to the field of physics, too. So I actually know Pascal because he's a unit of, or his name is a unit of pressure, hmm. like hectopascal right. and <laughs> stuff like mm -hmm. that. He also was a philosopher. Interestingly, he opposed, he was opposed to rationalism, like Descartes, Furthered, but he was also opposed to empiricism and he most cared about the philosophy of religion. He died being only 39. Um, they think it was of poor health, but it could never com completely be confirmed, although they did an autopsy on his body. But all in all, he was an important scientist and um, someone we wouldn't want to miss in our skeptic world today. Right. 
Yeah, I know him from Pascal's Wager, right? Yes. If you look on uh, on the link in the show notes, like the Wikipedia page, there are so many things that he like Pascal's uh, theory, Pascal's this, Pascal that, Pascal. <laughs> There's so many things where I'm just like, wow, like all of that goes back to one person. <laughs> right, and, and and Pascal's wager is that you you might as well believe in God because if you're wrong, it doesn't matter. But if you're if you're right, you know something like that. He was yeah. probably a little bit more eloquent than that, but uh, <laughs> That's more... you're just he- hedging your bets. Yes. I believe just in case he is there, and uh, <laughs> and if he's not, what's the what's the harm? It has worse repercussions if 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 it's actually existed and you don't believe, then right. then vice versa. Yeah, yeah. yeah so happy birthday, um, Blaise Pascal. Okay. And now that we go on. Do we have something to poke the Pope for? Right, yes. Speaking of Pascal's wager, I'm going to talk about a few people who who do seem to believe in God. Uh, So first, there's a follow-up from last week. Uh, We talked about one of Frankie's cardinals, Cardinal Reinhard Marx who offered his resignation as Archbishop of Munich, uh, not as a cardinal. So he's handed over his resignation to to Frankie. And I said at the time that this sounded much more drastic than it was, that there was actually no real risk to uh, Cardinal Marx. Cardinal Marx, doesn't that sound a bit strange? Contradiction in terms. The whole religion is the opium of the people (laughs) kind of thing. So... Karl Marx and Cardinal Marx sounds very, very close to each other. <laughs> I, I get confused. <laughs> okay, so, so anyway, when he handed over his resignation, either that would be accepted and then he could move to Rome and take up some other fancy position or the resignation could be rejected by Francis and nothing would change. And in either case, Marx would be... Considered the good guy because his resignation was not based on some that he admitted any wrongdoing himself. He was on behalf of the, the the Catholic Church, and it turns out now that he didn't have to pack any bags and get on a train to Rome because Francis did, in fact, reject the resignation. And indeed, for Cardinal Marx, it's a big PR win because Frankie commended him on his courage and compared him to St. Peter. So that's all good stuff for Marx. There, it's another archbishop uh, that is the center of the, the problem in G- Germany, and that is Cardinal Rainer Wölki of Cologne. No do surprise pronounce, here, yeah. <laughs> do I pronounce that fairly correctly? Yes, Anke? yes. <laughs> Yeah, Wölki. I was just okay. like, the moment you said in Germany, I was I knew that you would say this name. Oh, okay. Yeah, you've heard. Uh, is there a lot of uh, uh, in the in the media about him? Mm, not that much, but he's a bit infamous. Yeah, because he, he's the guy who is being accused of not handling the abuse cases properly in Germany. And, and if he would be if he offered his resignation i think it would be a different matter uh, for for francis whether to reject or, or accept that resignation well I, I don't know of course there is a change in the tone i believe when you look at the the exchange between marx and and francis cardinal marx referred to the scandal as a quote catastrophe of sexual abuse end quote 
And that's that's rather harsh language coming from within the, the church itself. Mm-hmm. And Francis actually agreed with him. Uh, and he, he in his reply, he went on to say, quote, The whole church is in crisis because of the abuse matter. Moreover, the church today cannot step forward without addressing this crisis, end quote. So at least in in writing and officially, Francis acknowledges that it, this is a big problem. And of course, he should do that. But it's worth noting that he's he's not trying to cover it up too much. At least, well, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like he is. He, he does seem to, he's not ignoring the problem. So I guess uh, points for that. I think it's like nowadays things can't be too obviously ignored, even in the Vatican. <laughs> no, that's that's right. And I think Francis knows that. Yes. You, you can't just pretend like nothing happened. He might be bigoted, but he's not super stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's true. He's, he's a smart guy, I give him that. But he has other crises, crises to um, <laughs> handle. One of them is also something we've mentioned before, and that's the finances of the Vatican. The Vatican Bank recently published its annual report for 2020, and it seems that they are maybe the only thing that is generating cash these days for the Vatican. So that's good for them. And to do what they can to help, the report said that 75% of the interest generated by the bank, that's 33.3 million euros, has been donated to the Pope to use as he sees fit, as it said in the in the media coverage. That, that's pretty nice. I'd like to have 33.3 million euros to, to use as I see fit. But I, I'm sure that Frankie is pretty sensible in this uh, regard. I'm sure he's not going to blow it on hookers and cocaine mm-hmm. uh, like I would have done. He will use it probably to cover part of the deficit for the Vatican, who, as we mentioned before... Last year was 65 million euros, so that's almost twice as much. It's just like it's so much money, like it's baffling what we're right? thinking about. And and also, I'm sure they didn't just come up with the idea to give that money to to Francis. I'm sure he told them to do this because he decides everything, and and it is a reminder that he really is the dictator of his little country there. Yeah, it's like. It's an it's an old form of government, and the Vatican is just like the fossil in there, so to say. It is, and it's strange that people don't talk about that more. We are accepting uh, the Vatican as a as a Western country, even small and a little bit special, but it's still part of the Western world. We think in, of in terms of democracy and and stuff, but the Vatican not so much. Yeah, and the the Vatican is like disregarding so many humanist or European values. Yes, it's just like yeah. just look at how many women are allowed to to be priests and stuff. You know, yeah. or or few rather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the strange thing is, and I've said this before. It's so easy for the Pope to get credit for for being progressive when he does one little thing in that respect. Some things that others would take for granted. This is how you do things. You you do let women vote, for one thing, in organizations and stuff. But then when he did that, uh, I think it was last year, it was a synod, and he he actually allowed a lay woman's vote to count and everybody applauded and say oh that's very progressive not not very progressive really we've done that for a long time in the rest of the world 
Yeah, it's not hard to get credit for things everybody else is doing anyways. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So that's uh, what I had on the Pope uh, this week. Well-deserved poking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we'll skip the COVID-19 update. I think we we are all happy to have a bit of refuge from from COVID today. Although, like it, I know we we could maybe give like the little update that the numbers are going down and things are looking good or better well, at least. Better, not good, not but good, better. But better. <laughs> yeah. Painfully slow, though. You yes. really would want this to be over, but that's yes. not news. That's what that's everybody feels. Normal. Yeah. Exactly. But with that, let's jump to the news. Yeah, and did you know that there's a Noah's Ark that is not allowed to leave um, the harbor? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds... Uh, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, <laughs> the, what what is the thing that I'm supposed to be uh, surprised about here? Is there a Noah's Ark? Yes, that surprises me. <laughs> is it stuck in a harbor? Yes, that surprises me too. Isn't it allowed to leave? Yes, that's very surprising too. It's like one of so. these sentences that gets like more ridiculous the more I say. <laughs> yes. Yes, but this particular Noah's Ark uh, is detained at Ipswich waterfront. It's a giant replica of Noah's Ark and about 70 meters long. And it was deemed unseaworthy and thus detained in Ipswich. The Ark is supposed to be a floating museum, in air quotes, and arrived in Ipswich in 2019. So it's, oh, it's been there for two years. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, wow. um, it's wooden and there are sculptures in it. And I'll, I'll just tell you more about it later. Mm. No, no dinosaurs? No. <laughs> Sadly oh. not. I guess we all know they missed that boat. Huh? Yeah, they they missed that boat by far. <laughs> <laughs> the Coast Guard deemed it not safe to leave due to deficiencies. They didn't specify which deficiencies, but um, yeah, it just is unseaworthy. And the owner, a Dutch guy called Art Peter, says that this Noah's Ark exists as a talking point, and the museum also has several wooden sculptures inside um, depicting, for example, Adam and Eve leaving the paradise or Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel? I don't know how to pronounce it. Cain and Abel, Cain I and think, Abel. is how you pronounce it, yes. Um, but they were not on the ark. They are mixing their yes, uh, different yeah. Bible stories now. There's also a nativity scene in there. <laughs> so Okay. I would much like what I would have liked... I can tell you, is like a Noah's Ark that really has every animal. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Like every kind right. of insect we know <laughs> as a wooden sculpture oh, in there. 50,000 cool. kinds of beetles or whatever. <laughs> hey, how cool I don't, would I don't know that if it's 50,000, but it, <laughs> there's a lot of beetles in the world. Yes, and every kind of bird, every kind of worm like that. would be so cool to have wooden sculptures of that on the ship. Like, How about viruses? Do they have that? Can can you see them? Like they would, they would also need their own wooden sculpture. Then, of course. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think I would have liked that. That would have been cool. But to um, sum the story up, the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency um, said they need their own surveyor to check the whole ship, and if the ship is safe, then they can leave. But so far, they didn't um, provide any proof that the deficiencies are corrected or repaired. So. Noah's Ark might be stranded in Ipswich a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew it stranded somewhere. I, I forgot that it was Ipswich. 
Not not, not top of the mountain, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what they're going to do with it if they if they never get permission to leave and he, he doesn't fix it up. Well, what I don't know. I mean, if it's not that broad, then he could maybe put it on on a, either on a bigger ship or on like the um, Euro um, star. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Don't don't give him any ideas. Yeah, better not. <laughs> All right, new topic then. Uh, a couple of years ago, a recurring theme on this podcast was the anthroposophic movement in Sweden. I most of it I talked about that, and I talked about uh, the Vidar Clinic, which was an anthroposophical hospital not too far from Stockholm that thankfully got closed in 2019 because they had their exemption revoked when it came to administering so-called anthroposophical medicine. But anthroposophy is not just about fake medicine, it's also about fake schools, as uh, many of us know. Rudolf Steiner in his day, who invented this, uh, he didn't uh, hesitate uh, to declare himself an expert in lots of subjects, uh, no matter what actual competence he had. So, very close to where the Vidar Clinic had its business, there were anthroposophs settling already back in the 1930s. And after the postmodern hippie movement in the late, uh, or in the 60s and the, in the 70s, and not only did they start the, the Vidar Clinic, but they also founded schools. And there is a scandal now unraveling uh, about one of these private schools known as Sulvik, but it was earlier known as Nible. So I guess that doesn't mean a lot to, no. to uh, our <laughs> non-Swedish listeners. Never, never mind, never mind. It's just the names. <laughs> but there's been a documentary in, in three parts that has been uh, televised recently. And it reveals how the this so-called school, I would have to say, has ruined generations of children by running its own race entirely hardly teaching them how to read and write, all in the spirit of uh, Rudolf Steiner, who apparently believed more in angels and uh, the power of interpretive dancing than, than uh, learning actual subjects. And for one, one thing, uh, no grades were issued for many decades, really. And pupils left ninth grade with very poor knowledge of anything and without any proper grades to show. So that has, of course, marked their future careers and it's been yeah. hard for them to, to get good jobs, etc. And then some students actually did well, that, that is acknowledged, but many others were also bullied for being, uh, I guess, not good enough dancers or not good enough uh, drawers of images or pictures. According to many, the, the lessons were without much form or structure and teachers didn't stop and they even participated in uh, the bullying of students who, who didn't have these skills that were valued by the school. One of the big scandals is also why this ha was allowed to go on, because the problems were flagged already back in the 1980s. It seems to have been due to a conflict of national and local politicians and also a strong following of anthroposophical ideas in the actual region. And, I should say, this school is still there today and they have plans for what's going to happen after summer holiday. 
So I, I, this, I'm, I'm sure we haven't heard the last of this, and I would be surprised if there hadn't, if they're not going to be very, very big changes. Of course, they are saying that the the problems highlighted in the documentary was decades ago, and now we're doing do things differently. Yeah, it's like all all you've been saying about the scandal doesn't really surprise me because there are things that I heard of German. Um, Steiner schools too, like several people that couldn't even read when they graduated and stuff like that. And I mean, of course, if you can't learn reading um, because you have special needs, that is something like, of course, like I I don't begrudge you of that. I'm not angry or anything. Um, But if you if you could learn it, then you should learn it because it will just be easier for you to live in our society and and if your school can't teach you that then the school has failed and not you yeah no exactly and i think a lot of the steiner school philosophy is that uh, you should let the children develop in their own pace etc you shouldn't force anything on them and that sounds good but it isn't good if the result is that some students never learn anything yeah exactly it's um Nah, it just makes me angry. Yeah, yeah, you're a teacher. I I understand you have <laughs> even more, uh, you know, insight into this. Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, it just it just makes me angry, and it's it's just like it's it has an impact on so many lives, and and then they're also like in Germany, a lot of people in in Steiner schools are also anti-vax. So right, no, but they're because part of, and then we get over to the. To the because the the link to the anthroposophical hospitals or or the sort of the so-called medicines where uh, Rudolf Steiner had this idea that especially childhood diseases was something that you had to go through because it was part of your development, yes. so you shouldn't get a vaccine against it because that would actually be bad for you because you wouldn't go through that stage, which is all nonsense. But it, there's a, some sort of internal logic to it, but it leads to a vaccination hesitancy or vaccination denial. Yeah, and he also, if I understood it correctly, that he then um, his theories deep down are also pretty racist. Yes. So not a good thing at all. Like it's not it's not like soft, nice, empathetic, pedagogical, uh, whatever soft teaching. <laughs> it's like it's pretty hmm. fucked up. Right. But something that's also very fucked up is um, good segue <laughs> is um, <laughs> a new law against the promotion of homosexuality. Because Andres is not here, I thought I would bash uh, Viktor Orban in Andres' stead. Yes, <laughs> we should bash the Orban every yes. week. Yes. So the ruling party of Hungary introduced uh, new amendments to, as they worded, ban promotion of homosexuality and sex changes. This was immediately denounced by, for example, Amnesty International, because it is against human rights. This law is comparable to the law in Russia that punished acts of um, homosexual so-called propaganda. Propaganda. And if this move in Hungary becomes a law, then it would essentially ban educational programs and publicity of LGBTQAI groups. So it would make life very hard for a lot of people. Even advertisements about, for example, a popular music festival um, that were promoting gay acceptance um, would be banned. And books about homosexuality too. 
Sorry, the baby is hitting the microphone. I don't know if you heard Oh, okay. <laughs> Luna is getting... Uh, she's growing up yes, and she wants to be part of the show. Well, yes, <laughs> she was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if I hold her hand, maybe that works better. <laughs> yeah, so what? Um, what's the deal here? The problem is that this severely restricts the freedom of expression and the rights of children and of humans, <laughs> of other humans. All humans of all ages, yes. yes. And it f- totally fits into dictatorial models that happened also, for example, in Russia. And this is very against European values. And I think you will totally agree that yeah. we, like European values, are democracy, freedom of expression, decency, <laughs> and so on. Interestingly, this law was included in measures against pedophilia. Okay, because they, they, they all they put an equal sign between homosexuality yes. and pedophilia. Yeah. But that happens is... with a lot of like a lot of like esoteric people or even like some some queerdenker, um, they do the same. So for example the singer, if I remember correctly, the singer I, I talked about last week or the week before he also mm. do, does that. Like for him, um, homosexuals and pedophiles are the same, which they aren't. Let's clarify of that. Not. Of course not. <laughs> because the one is one is a is a thing of consent between adults, and it has to do with love. And the other one is not consensual and is a crime. Yes. They the Hungarian government wanted to put this restriction in to enshrine the in air quotes traditional family. And they even banned adoption by same-sex couples. So it could very well be that this law will also go through that now. We will see. I think we will um, get the update by Andras then, once the, if the law goes through. But mm. yeah, this is, this is pretty devastating. Yeah, oh, terrible. But very not, not at all unexpected, yes. but uh, still terrible. Okay, so a follow-up now, also from Sweden, about a month ago in episode 274, we told you about a doctor who was charging for COVID tests that all came back negative because, in fact, no tests were done at all. He also issued travel certificates for people, showing them, showing them as being COVID-free. And all of that was done without even... It was, the customers didn't know. The patients or the customers didn't know that it was all fake. So they were very happy to get this negative uh, result back. So the follow-up is that he is now now facing seven charges of fraud and reckless untruthful certification. He is also suspected of falsification of documents. And it's very good now that he is going to trial. But... uh, The number of cases, seven of them, has raised some eyebrows since there was about a hundred complaints against him and 90 of them have now been dropped and will not be tried and that's a bit uh, strange. There hasn't been any public reports of uh, that that the other 90 tests were actually being done. What we know in in the public is that all of the tests were fake and they were never executed. So I don't know why they dropped uh, 90 of the of the 100 cases. We'll see what comes out of it. At least we know now that the operation that he was uh, running has has been stopped. And I guess that's a good thing. That that is a good thing. But it's so baffling how many people get like uh, go through with this fraud. 
Yeah, and if you remember, I, I told about uh, there was one example of one person who wanted to know if he could uh, visit his old mother. And so he got this uh, test and it showed negative. And so, okay, great, I can go see my mother because I know that I'm, I am not uh, infected. But he wasn't uh, infected, or at least he didn't spread this to his mother. But that was just one example. It could have gone horribly wrong. And he paid money for this. I mean, a couple of thousand Swedish kroner, which is, well, 200 euros or something like that. But it's also like not only the fraud itself, but it's also if people thought they were negative and they were very happy and might have been a bit complacent then, or like, I'm negative, yeah. so I can hug granny. I haven't seen her for a year or something right. like that. And Taking risks yeah. like that. In a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a very good segue, actually, to our next segment, right? Because what this mm, guy does... More did, monkey business, yes. yes. So I think we should go over to hear from you who has been really wrong recently. Yes, and, and I'm afraid, and I apologize in advance, because this story is pretty disturbing. And it's really, uh, I think that if, if you feel you're uncomfortable to hear about surgery on newborn babies, you may want to fast forward to the quote. Anyway, uh, I will start with a short anatomy lesson because I'm not sure if everybody is familiar with the term frenulum of the tongue. Have you heard about that, Annika? Mm, is that the, the so-called tongue tie? That, that's absolutely correct. Points for you. So it's that short cord that connects the underside of the tongue with the floor of the mouth. It's also known as the lingual frenulum, that's more like almost Latin, or the <laughs> tongue web, some call it the tongue web. So some people are born with a very short frenulum, and uh, this is a condition known as anculoglossia. So you're learning a lot of new words here today. <laughs> Get your vocab books out. <laughs> yes, anculoglossia or tongue tie, which can... And this is a condition that can lead to problems. For babies, it could lead uh, to problems with breastfeeding. And uh, later on, uh, it can also even lead to difficulties in speaking because the tongue is a bit tied to the bottom of the mouth and you can't, you're not as mobile as you're supposed to be. And of course, Annika, you know more about breastfeeding <laughs> than I do for obvious reasons. So, so please interrupt me if I say something <laughs> stupid or try to mansplain something. But anyway, as I understand it, as a layperson, <laughs> breastfeeding isn't always easy. Uh, it's not uncommon for, for young mothers to be frustrated with that the baby doesn't seem to want to take the nipple or that it hurts too much or basically doesn't seem to work or you have a feeling that the baby doesn't get enough uh, milk. And ankyloglossia or tongue tie it is a real thing, as I said, and it can lead to problems like this. But as soon as you have frustrated and worried parents, the cracks come in. Of course. And in many cases, in this case, I think a lot of them have good intentions. But even if your intentions are good, the science flies out the window. In closed social media groups, people are propagating for surgery for every, basically everybody, for all babies almost. And the surgery is, and, and here's your trigger warning, um, is to have the frenulum of the tongue cut with a pair of scissors. So now I don't 
before you get too grossed out, I don't think they are advocating for parents to do this themselves at home. But there are doctors out there that subscribe to this idea and uh, that this is a good thing and they are willing to do it just about for any child if the parents want it done. And in these uh, social media groups, you, you know how it goes. Anecdotes from happy parents are just overflowing and people with negative experiences, they are kicked out of those forums very quickly because that's not welcome in the so the result is that everybody wants to convince everybody else that this is a good idea and they are coming up then with all kinds of reasons why quote unquote uh, real doctors won't tell you this it, it all devolves into conspiracy theories after that just like any other uh, pseudo science or pseudo uh, idea like your good old conspiracy yeah. theories so- yeah, so, so this is an example of a real exchange from a social media gl- group, and I've translated this from Swedish. So it starts with uh, a worried mother who writes, I suspect my son of uh, one and a half has reflux. And I think one and a half, I assume she meant, means one and a half months old. Yeah, because one and a half years old would could yeah, still be breastfed, but not 100%. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. So she suspects that her son has reflux. And then the quote continues. Some symptoms fit. He vomits often after feeding. He refuses to feed often. His uh, weight gain is poor and he coughs for no reason. Is there anyone here whose child have reflux and who has uh, received treatment for it, end quote. And then the reply immediately comes, quote, has anyone uh, knowledgeable checked his tongue web, end quote. So immediately they go to this as the solution. And these are general symptoms that this uh, yeah. uh, mother is, is presenting. That can happen for lots of reasons. It could almost be seen as uh, normal yeah. for a lot of kids. Especially... To, to, because at that age, like one and a half months, that's like where the baby is still learning, learning to, to cope with the with the more liquid milk <laughs> that comes like with mature milk, so to say. And yeah. it's it's a bit harder to to keep down than the than the very almost pudding like milk. Yeah, <laughs> that, the thicker that milk that you get yeah. uh, after after the birth and. And and reflux is a stomach thing or like a, a esophagus thing. It doesn't have anything to do with the tongue. So this no. is just like that they're immediately jumping to that is weird. So as I said, there are some private doctors who are open uh, with that. They do this surgery for anyone if the parents want them to do that. For me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, no, for the baby. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. And, and it's, in some cases, it even doesn't stop there. There is a similar cord or web in the top part uh, part of the mouth too, outside the, the front teeth. You can probably feel it with your tongue if you... <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lip tie. Yeah. I, <laughs> I lip mentioned. tie, yeah, yeah, right. And there are advocates for, for cutting that as well. As far as I could tell, there is no science at all behind that. I mean, there are the, the other thing, the, the anculoglossia, whatever it was called. <laughs> anculoglossia. That is a real thing for, for a small percentage of ch- children. But the other thing is just something that they've made up. They've just seen, this looks almost the same. Let's cut that too. And then even worse, the new thing is that people also insist that after you've done this surgery, you must stretch the wound often to prevent it from healing back together again, because otherwise it, it, the problem will come back. How to traumatize so, your baby 101. Uh, 
Yeah. This is low, yeah. so stupid. Like not and, the parents. And parents. Like yeah, and parents. and parents, yeah. Yeah. So this is one of those really wrongs that I absolutely hate where there is there doesn't seem to be a lot of money or malice here. It's just people who want to help uh, for the most part anyway, but still anyone who ignores the, the, the science and gives out self-invented medical advice, and most of all, even private doctors who do this, and in the process, they risk damaging babies for no good reason. All of these people are really wrong, even if they sometimes mean well. I think everybody is at fault here except for the baby. Yeah. I mean, the parents are maybe like the least at fault, but they hmm. still didn't do their research. And there's a reason why I immediately knew that you, <laughs> that you like when you said, what is this and that? Um, because this is making rounds. Like, um, I, I heard of uh, Pang Thai cats from like distant friends, not really friends, but friends of friends. <laughs> yeah, because this is uh, also happening in, uh, in Germany and Australia around the world, you know? Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say, actually, as well, that I've heard now reading about it in Swedish media. And it's good that it's getting some publicity, uh, that it's not a good thing. But but it's also it, this is not a Swedish invention. This is something that goes around the globe. And we know today social media reaches everybody across the globe. So if somebody invents something stupid, everybody hears about it immediately and you get followers all over the world. So you've heard about it, Annika, in Germany, Australia. If anybody else, uh, listeners out there, have heard about this, uh, please let us know, because it's interesting to hear how much uh, coverage this gets. And, and there was, I was trying to, to look into one of these, um, or a couple of these uh, social media groups, but of course, if you're not invited, you, you, you can't see it. So it's, you're, you're blocked immediately. So it, be, it becomes a, a closed environment where, where the already converted are pre, uh, preaching to each other and then they bring on their friends. And if you don't agree, you get kicked out. Yeah, exactly. I read about it too on Instagram where like people that are not completely medical give advice on how, like, how to breastfeed and stuff. And there, I they, they also had this like, is your baby not drinking? Yeah, maybe it has a tongue tie. Maybe it needs to have the tongue cut, like tongue web cut. Yeah, so these things exist, and they are they are out there. But yeah, as as you said, I would be interested to know who else heard of it. Thank you, Pontus. That was thank you another good award, and also thank you for doing this show with me. Mm -hmm, Thanks to our listeners who are still patiently listening. <laughs> And thanks, Andras, for coming back soon, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> But I won't, don't want to let any of you go without a quote. My baby also doesn't want to let you go <laughs> without a quote. So the quote is, Truth is so obscure in these times and falsehood so established that unless we love the truth, we cannot know it. And that was from no other than Blaise Pascal, French mathematician, philosopher, and physicist. Already been on the show yes. there, or mentioned on the show today. Might seem familiar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah, so thank you, Pontus, again. Thank you. And until next week, goodbye. Hey, do. Tschüss. This has been your ESP experience. 
The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesb.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe On his courage and compared him to St. Peter. Papa Fupa. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Saint Peter, Papa Poopa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like, this also exists, um, and this is not closed. <laughs> Speaking of which. <laughs> Speaking of babies. <laughs> Truth is so obscure in these times, and Luna. <laughs> so, let's start again. Truth is so obscure in these times, and apparently not. <laughs> she does not agree. Wait, 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 maybe she needs just needs a cup. Okay, come here. Möchtest du den Porto sehen? Hey, hey. Oh, she can't hear me. <laughs> Guck mal. Da. Siehst du? Hello. Siehst du ihn? Well, I'm tr- I'm s- <laughs> keep talking, but I know she can't hear me. <laughs> okay, so we'll try that again. <laughs>